they actually sponsored me to attend, uh, which is which was a good thing. Met quite a lot of number of people there and met did some networking, as is the nature of all conferences, and that was just the best part. Uh, I didn't get to meet one of our guests, but I met one of our guests, which was a good thing. We connected. We talked about a lot of things. This morning, the purpose and objective of this is to try and talk about uh, I changed the title or the subject of our discussions from healthcare services to healthcare solutions because both our guests this morning uh, represent a unique type of work that the organizations are doing in the continent of Africa. Okay, having said that, I really want us to get into this discussion uh, because there's a lot to talk about and, of course, uh, with limited time. Let me first introduce the say ladies first. We are honored, privileged to have Dr. Messing or Samumba here, award-winning scientist and philanthropist. I'll not read the entire bio because these two, the lady and the gentleman, are just amazing and they're doing some great things. Uh, Dr. Mumba is a professor at, um, I believe it's Alabama University in the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the Capstone College of Nursing, that is where she is teaching in that school. Dr. Mumba, good morning, and thank you for joining us. Good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And another guest this morning is uh, Mr. Jote Tadase. He is the co-founder of Diaspora Care, uh, whose mission is to bring the capacity to individuals. And it's got to do with, uh, he's going to explain what this is about it's amazing when I shared this information with a lot of my colleagues in our network. They were like, this is an amazing concept and idea. And uh, Mr. Tadase is also the chairman and uh, CEO of Books for Africa. Uh, Jote, good morning. We've actually had one of your colleagues from Books of Africa appear on this show a few years ago. I just thought about that. How are you? Very well, very well. Good morning, uh, Nathan. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, and uh, good afternoon, good evening to all the audience uh, that are around the world. Excellent. Uh, they say ladies first. I'm going to turn things around for one reason, because when, I, when, when Dr. Mumba presents uh, her, her part of the work that they do in Zambia, in rural Zambia, and uh, some of the work that she's doing, I want her to transition also to connect or to marry where pharmaceutical work or the needs for uh, medication treatment and all those things come into play. Jote, I want you to share with us what is diaspora care, how was, what prompted its founding and when was it founded? Fantastic. Um, so, I would like to provide more of a global context of the problem that we're trying to solve first before getting into what diaspora care is all about. I think this yes. will be beneficial for the, for the audience. So uh, the World Health Organization estimates that over 3 billion people in developing world cannot afford mm. basic health care, right? And, and over 100 million people fall into the cycle of poverty every year simply because they cannot uh, afforded the healthcare cost, right? And 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 medicines in many sub-Saharan Af African uh, countries 
cost between five times up to 25 times the international prices, right? So this is, this is kind of the problem at the, at the global level. And from diaspora care perspective, uh, the opportunity that we saw is we diasporans living in the developed world feel that we have a very strong obligation to help uh, uh, our loved ones back home, especially the ones that are that are sick, right? That are that are facing mm. significant barriers to to be able to access to these healthcare uh, uh, solutions. But the distance makes it extremely difficult to fulfill our moral, social, and cultural obligation. It's hard to get on-time information on the healthcare status mm-hmm. of my loved ones, my family members. Even knowing mm-hmm. who to call and what to do is very difficult, right? And and so this really further complicated the poor access to the healthcare, which often means very long waits at the hospital for my relatives and loved ones. So we created Diaspora Care as a solution, which is a digital platform that basically looks to solve three fundamental problems. The first one is around the distance, right? It eliminates the distance by connecting directly diaspora members abroad with their relatives and a designated caretaker in a network of healthcare providers, pharmacies in this case, in their home countries. Uh So basically this ensures that uh, timely and efficient information exchange on healthcare status and healthcare needs of my family members, your family members, and loved ones. That's number one. The second one is access to care. The platform also puts sponsors, diasporans like you and I, mm. uh, uh, loved ones in the hands of trusted and vetted healthcare providers and pharmacies, uh, eliminating longer wait, wait at the hospital and ensuring on-demand delivery of care. I think that's, that's the second biggest problem that we're looking to solve. The third one is yes. ensuring proper use of healthcare funds, right? Sponsors can directly pay vetted pharmacies to ensure that their remittance gets strictly for intended healthcare needs. Because you and I know that when we send money through Western Union and MoneyGram, uh, we have yes. no idea how that money is used in the likelihood of that money being uh, redirected for a different use is very high. And oftentimes we will never find out. So these are really the three key problems that Diaspora Care as a digital healthcare platform looks to solve. And ultimately really providing the peace of mind that us diasporans are are desiring for living thousands of miles away from our loved ones. Mm. Excellent. So help us understand how you 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 develop relationships with pharmacists or those providing the necessary medication to the to the needed patient or customer if you may use that word how how do you establish that relationship or network fantastic so let me give you a scenario let's say my auntie who's living back home uh, uh, calls me and says you know son I have not been feeling well recently. I went to the local clinic. They took my blood, and now they tell me that I have diabetes, right? Diabetes Uh is a chronic disease and requires uh, 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 chronic medication uh, to be taken by the patient pretty much for the rest of their life, right, until their their, their conditions are improved. So the first thing I automatically think about is auntie's calling me because she needs money to be able to uh, pay for her medication. So my default reaction is, 
head down to the, the nearest Western Union or MoneyGram, or if I know a relative that is traveling back home, I probably would give them cash with a phone number of my aunt and say, okay, please deliver this, right? But mm. now what we do is Diaspora Care being a mobile platform that is mobile accessible, uh, we vet and onboard uh, pharmacies that are willing to participate in our network, right? So they basically, pharmacies, they create their account uh, on the platform as service providers. So when my aunt walks into her local pharmacy, she would say, I'm here to pick up my medication and I have a relative who's willing to pay for me. So the pharmacist simply types in my aunt's name, which automatically brings up my information as a payer because I'm the one who enrolled my aunt in under my account and, uh, and okay. indicating that I'm willing to support her, right? And the rest is creation of the invoice, the prescription, which automatically uh, notifies me that my auntie, whom I enrolled to be able to support, has just picked up their prescription, and this is how much the, the medication is. This is the name of the medication. This is the name of the pharmacy, right? That's been deducted from mm -hmm. my, my, my credit card or whatever kind of payment system I provided. So all this transaction really happens in less than five minutes. And the most important outcome here is my aunt is able to walk in and out the medication that she needs. And I have the information that in terms of what is the type of medication, how much did it cost, which pharmacy is supplying that medication. Information that we've never had before. Excellent. Excellent. So before we bring in Dr. Mumba to share her part of her work, and then we shall sort of make a connection at some point on the two uh, activities that are taking place. So therefore, there is that process of Nathan, who lives in the diaspora, to sort of get con register or show some interest in diaspora care, and I need to create an account, uh, some some kind of that, that. How does that process work? Exactly. So any diasporan who is supporting their loved ones in their back in 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 their home countries. And by the way, we are currently um, operating in two countries, in Ghana and Kenya. Uh, that is uh, uh, to the reason that uh, uh, when it comes to market entry in African countries, there are a lot of variables uh, that determine how a country is ready for innovations like like uh, diaspora care. There is a market readiness, there is an infrastructure readiness, there is connectivity um, in, in the financial sector readiness and, and so forth. So, uh, so far, uh, we have been able to uh, execute uh, successful pilots in, in, uh, in Ghana and in Kenya as well, we've uh, onboarded uh, some of the, uh, the, the the two countries' largest pharmacy chains who really saw at our concept and, and uh, jumped on board right away. And when you apply the economic lens on this, by the way, uh, this also mm -hmm. is a platform that attracts funds to come into the country rather than taking funds out of a country. Mm -hmm. So we know that uh, collectively, diasporans, uh, remitted close to $50 billion last year to Sub-Saharan Africa, right? Wow. And it's estimated that between 15 to 25% of that remittance is, is related to people helping their loved ones to, for healthcare expenses. And just mm -hmm. imagine the end-to-end -end visibility that a platform like this could provide in terms of how healthcare remittances are actually applied for what type of diseases, what type of medications, what are the trends, and, and the benefits are immense. 
But I think governments also would look at this and say, this is a type of innovation that, that attracts uh, uh, responsible funds into the country that actually benefit the population, that actually helps people to become productive members of society, that, that ultimately impacts the economy in a, in, a, in a positive way. Think about the pharmacies. The pharmacies all of a sudden mm-hmm. now have a access to a customer segment that they've never had access to. They're paying customer that lives abroad that guarantees payment for the services that they render as well. So it's simple. Anybody who uses either uh, 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 any kind of fintech product on their own mobile uh, uh, apps, uh, could be uh, a money transfer app or even simple as Uber. It's very intuitive. Uh, you download the app, you create your account, mm-hmm. you enroll your beneficiaries that you're willing to, you're ready to go. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Those of you that are joining us, we're talking about healthcare solutions for Africa. My guests were uh, presenters, uh, panelists, and they had a big role to do at the Just Ended African uh, Diaspora Conference. And now we will turn to Dr. Angosa, to Dr. Messi uh, Mumba here. Dr. Mumba, uh, a professor at Capstone College of Nursing at University of Alabama, you have uh, this work where you take students on the nursing school to Africa, uh, Zambia specifically, on medical missions. Talk to us about that. How did it start and what actually goes on when you take these trips? Thank you, Nathan, and um, thank you, everyone, who has joined in today as well. Um, A little bit of a background about how I got started. Like he said, my name is um, Dr. Mercy Mumba. I am an assistant professor in the Capstan College with the University of Alabama. Um, I first started going to Zambia on medical mission trips about five, six years ago now. And uh, what happened was I was at a women's conference in mm-hmm. in Dallas, Fort Worth. And, okay. you know, during the vision, there was a commercial about we need nurses to go to, to Zambia, Africa for medical missions. And I was like, that cannot be right. Like, I have never heard <laughs> of mission trips to Zambia, especially medical mission trips. You know, I've heard of mission trips to other war-torn areas in Africa, and I thought, well, there's really a need there, and I didn't understand the need in in Zambia. So I said, well, I'm from Zambia, so I will go back and and see what they're doing. And so when I went back with this group, I went back with Joyce Meyer Ministries with their Hand of Hope Ministry, which is their arm that takes Yes, uh, that was a privilege on its own. Um, so I was, I didn't know what to expect. And I was like, surely the people in Zambia are healthy. There's, you know, there's nothing going on. So when I got there and we started running the clinics and just saw thousands of people come through in the middle of, you know, nowhere in Southern province, mm-hmm. like I've I've never been to such rural areas in Zambia because, you know, I grew up on the Copa Belt and I grew up in Lusaka, so I didn't really, you know, get to other rural areas in Zambia. And it struck me. I was like, I'm from Zambia, and I didn't really understand the desperate need 
of mm-hmm. um, healthcare resources in, in my own country. So I started thinking, how are other people perceiving the needs that we have who are not even here when the people within the country are not even educated enough, not as in mm-hmm. formal education, but educated enough on the needs uh, of healthcare that our population has because I felt like I was out of touch. And I did, when I talked to a lot of people who were, you know, within Zambia, they were like, mm-hmm. I would have never thought about that. So first of all, we have a really large population that is within urban areas mm-hmm. in Zambia, and we we kind of are out of touch with the suffering that's going on in, in some wow. places where people, to walk several miles to, to access care. So that that was the beginning, and it struck me. And, and, you know, I asked, you know, God, and I said, what do you want me to do about this situation? Because I thought that that was something that was driving me into my purpose of how do I give back to, yes. to my own country. Because up to that point, I was still – you know how you, you're like, I'm in the diaspora, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I give back to my country and how can I use the skills and knowledge and the expertise that I've gained over the years while being away from home to actually influence change in my own country. And so for me, That's this right. was the light bulb moment that went that went mm-hmm. off. So when I came back, of course, I talked to Joyce Meyer and their team, and I was like, how do we improve what you're doing outside of just, mm-hmm. you know, giving nations? How do we support your ministry? Because they dig wells, and they have dental clinics and medical clinics, and then they, they plant churches and all of those good things. So needless to say, um, the next time I went with them, my role mm-hmm. was to really try to see how do we engage the African healthcare professionals, specifically Zambian healthcare professionals, to work with this team. Fortunately, um, they were very receptive to, to that uh, discussion that I had with them. But you know how things work. Uh, I got this job at the University of Alabama, and I had to move from Texas. So then all the stuff that I was doing <laughs> kind of came to a halt. And I'm like, I thought this is what I'm supposed to be doing. What's going on, you know? Mm. Um, so then I moved to Alabama, and I was wondering, how do I reconnect? How do I still continue this mission? And one day I was having a conversation with my dean, and she was like, you know, we take nursing students everywhere in the world, from Bolivia, China, wow. in, with, the, with the refugee population that they have coming from the Middle East and I mean, everywhere, but we, we, we're we not taking students to Africa. I know you're from Africa. How do you feel about taking students? Wow. <laughs> you read my Amazing. Mind. <laughs> you read my mind. I've been trying to, to do this, and mm-hmm. it was just difficult for me to work as a person, as an individual, and, and that's where the power of networking comes in, in finding people with common ground and common goals, which is why I appreciate you having this um, this discussion here today because I feel like it's going to connect people with similar interest in, in healthcare in Africa. But, yes, um, yes, it's so, important, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we started uh, planning with our 
E3 Partners, which is an organization that the university works with, and, you know, they mm-hmm. asked us, where do you want to go? And I said, I really don't know where the greatest need is. So I would rely on some people on the ground to tell us. So we did a okay. needs assessment, and, and really we found that, you know, not that the services are great, but Lusaka and Culper Belt, they do have some healthcare facilities. The, the, the question is the quality of the care that's being provided. So we decided to do other provinces where, you know, the care was not as mm-hmm. available as we would have hoped. So we started with the central province, of course. Uh, we went to Mumbwa the first time we went, and then we went to Mongu and Livingston in some rural areas. Um, and basically what we do is we take a group of nursing students, um, okay. and we have faculty from the College of Nursing as well as some some medical doctors from the United States who sign up to go on the trip with us. And we work with local physicians and nursing students if available, which is, you know, yeah. something that we're going to make sure that is a consistent partnership because based on okay. where we go, you know, if you have one clinical officer in the entire clinic, in as much as they want to send that clinical officer to come and help you in your clinics and in the rural areas, they're not going to do that because then, you know, their clinic is not going to be staffed. So we kind of just play it by the ear, but we would love to have a situation where we're consistently engaging um, mm-hmm. Zambian healthcare partners on a regular basis to work with us in the clinic and not just bring um, the expertise from the United States, because I feel like there is some learning that will happen there, both for the people that are coming from the United States and the people from yes. Zambia, and sharing ideas. So we set up mm-hmm. clinics. We open about 8 o'clock in the morning, um, mm-hmm. and we run to like 5 p.m., and we provide anything that, you know, from wound care to assessments and, and provision of medications and eye checks and eyeglasses. And so the other thing that we do is we partner with local organizations. So the last two years, we actually partnered with Copa Rose Zambia, which is a um, an organization, a non-government organization that looks at uh, adolescent health education, particularly mm-hmm. for girls and menstrual hygiene. And we partnered with them because um, menstrual education and health, you know, hygiene related to sexual education is a big need in rural areas, as well as urban areas, but mostly in rural areas. Um, So we partnered with them and we partnered with some local churches here in the United States. And we, the churches here in the United States, you know, come up with these reusable pads, like their women's group sell reusable pads, and, and they ship them to Zambia, and we mm-hmm. donate them to Copa Rose. But Copa Rose always is a huge part of our um, medical clinic, so they have their own section where they're talking to young girls about, you know, sexual hygiene and menstrual hygiene and, you know, HIV, AIDS, and things like that. And in the past, we've been able to donate sanitary pads to almost a 1,000 a thousand adolescent girls 
in a single trip and and so much more. But um, Mm -hmm. what we have found is a lot of the people that are coming in the clinics have gone to the hospital, which, Mm -hmm. you know, what you're doing is amazing because this is the case scenario we're seeing. They've gone to the hospital. They know what's wrong with them. They cannot afford the care that's being provided in the hospital, nor can they afford the prescriptions that are being afforded in the hospital. So what happens is they'll come to our clinic and say, I know I have high blood pressure, but I cannot afford blood pressure medication because I get paid a thousand quacha every month and my prescription alone for, for the entire month for me to be able to have this medication is almost 200 kwacha. So I have to decide whether to buy the medication or pay the bills and send my kids to school. So those are the kind of conversations that we're having. So then you get into health education. Okay, outside of medications, what can we do to help mm-hmm. you? Can you lose some weight? Can you reduce the, the salt intake that you're having? Can you uh, exercise a little bit more? How can we help you with alternative and complementary uh, therapies that maybe medication itself cannot help you with since you cannot afford medication? So, you know, things like diabetes, yes, they some of them are insulin dependent, but how can we mm-hmm. help you regulate your diabetes with just diet? How can we teach you about um, carbs and sugars and, and all of these things? So we okay. do a variety of things from not just providing medical services to actually educating um, the, the people that we meet in our clinic on health promotion behaviors, uh, healthy eating, diet and exercise, and, um, you know, just, general mental well-being. How do you take care mm-hmm. of your mental Because uh, we believe in a very holistic approach in care. And one of the okay. things that we have discovered, particularly in Zambia, is preventative care really does not exist. People don't know to go to the doctor just for a checkup every year to make sure that everything is okay. They wait yes. until they're sick and they've tried you know, co-opt them from the pharmacy that they tried to buy for themselves that nobody gave them a diagnosis for. <laughs> you know, that happens oh, a lot wow. in the country. And so what mm. we're doing is, what we're seeing is people that are self-medicating, people that are self-prescribing, and yet wow. they don't really know what's going on. Um, so mm. the whole preventative medicine um and preventative care approach in Zambia is one of the things that we're hoping to work on. Oh, so Dr. Messi, anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. I want us to remember what I said when I spoke to the two of you on separate on uh, separate conversations. This is what I said. The question here, the, should Dr. Dr. Mumba Ajote, yes. the question with the 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 coming I know we don't have diaspora care in Zambia, but I'm thinking to myself, everybody listening here, when you are what's the word? When when you are attending to these people and you are trying to help them and give them medi- help, whatever help they need, mm-hmm. 
Don't you mm-hmm. think now the question needs to be, which in that conversation, shouldn't we begin to include the question, do you have a relative who lives abroad? Right. You see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. In light of the existence of diaspora care, in the healthcare advice and consultation that we are giving to the people on the ground, shouldn't the question, do you have a relative abroad, come up, Dr. Mumba, Jote? Um, absolutely. I, I think uh, that is one of the awarenesses, critical awarenesses that we're trying to broaden, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's estimated that about 3% of population uh, lives in Africa has residents uh, that lives in the, in, the, in the Western world. Now, yes. um, as, as Dr. Mumba indicated, uh, uh, we also have a very large population uh, that does not have a relative in, uh, in, in the Western world that still has uh, yes. their health care uh, needs to be met. However, exactly. um, Mm. I believe that this should be one of the questions that, that should be asked because diasporans have a critical role to play when it comes to elevating um, the, the, the capability to provide better access to quality, affordable, reliable health care for mm. uh, people in Africa in general. I believe there is a lot that we can do. Dr. Mumba, did you want to uh, add the other The other point that I want to make also is, Dr. Mumba just mentioned it, uh, I believe there is a critical difference between managing illness and managing mm-hmm. wellness. Uh, I think that that's also another important distinction because we also need to think in terms of how do we help people to live a healthier lifestyle that, that would help them avoid from getting into healthier conditions that 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 makes it you know basically makes their life difficult, right? And as I mentioned earlier, over 100 million people uh, get impoverished yearly due yes. to healthcare costs, and that is not yes. a small number. That's every year something that happens. And then uh, out of those, uh, over 75 percent of them are forced to pay out of pocket for small healthcare you know coverages that they need, in which that means for a lot of people. It's a choice between putting food on the table or getting out and going and getting that medication that they need. And we, see, we feel that it shouldn't be uh, the way. And I think the, the diasporans have a greater role, especially for those who are relatives abroad. Um, if there is a, a platform that enables them to be able to provide that um, a, a scale, reliable uh, a solution to take care of their loved ones, I think everybody benefits from this. Mm-hmm. Dr. Mumba? Yeah, I completely agree with what Joe just said. I think um, in as much as we would love to ask this question, in our clinics that we're running in predominantly rural areas, the chances that mm-hmm. they do have a relative who even knows that they're relative and they exist in the diaspora is very slim to zero. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do we, um, and maybe this is where philanthropy comes in. How do we yeah. leverage the resources that we have with the diaspora to work with organizations like Diaspora Care where we can mm-hmm. have a 
for people that genuinely cannot afford this type of resources and don't have a relative in the diaspora, but we have a separate section that's just for charity work. Yes, there is a for-profit section, but how do we have a separate philanthropy section that anybody who feels they have a little extra cash can deposit in there and someone who doesn't have a relative in the diaspora can go and with legitimate reason, you know, have a scheme-based type um, of, of registration with a legitimate reason be able to access some of these uh, resources. So I think that yes, there is a um, there is a place for the for profit for those who actually have relatives and can afford. But maybe we should yes. think a step further and look at how philanthropy would come in and how we can be able to. I don't believe that we'll be able to solve the problem for everyone on the continent, but at least we'll be able to affect a section or a segment of the population with just well-wisher donations. Um, so I think mm -hmm. that that's something that maybe Jose, you and your colleagues can, can think about in as far as when you think about growing the concept of what you're doing. Uh, because mm -hmm. I do think um Medical mission trips help, um, but we have to have a sustainability uh, aspect to it in that when yes. we leave, how do we manage mm -hmm. the care of those people that come to our clinics? We try very hard to have um, a referral process where if we see someone who's extremely sick and really needs follow-up, we have a mechanism to connect them with the local healthcare organizations and the clinics that, that we have. And then we work with the local pastors to follow up with them to take them to the clinic and all of that stuff okay. once we're gone. And if somebody mm -hmm. comes into the clinic and they're very sick and need immediate medical attention that we cannot provide in a mobile clinic, we'll actually transport them to to the hospital and pay for their medical services in the hospital, the nearest hospital we can find. So we have those types of things that are happening, but I always say we can have all these great ideas, but it takes money to really have a mm, sustainable model. Um, yeah. for and, and, and I think you're, you're absolutely right. It, it does take money. Uh, Dr. Mumba, I think this is something that perhaps you and I can take offline because we do have a, on our roadmap, uh, we do have uh, objectives to start also working with uh, charity organizations and NGOs uh, and, and churches that are uh, bringing healthcare, various types of healthcare services to uh, many African countries. Uh, because we believe in creative and innovative partnerships as well, as well as the, 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 this digital product that we are currently uh, piloting. Um, I think when it comes to the concept of it takes money, uh, it, really when you think about it, let's say, for example, let's take three, three countries, uh, Ghana, Nigeria, and Kenya, right? And if we look at uh, the diasporans, the Ghanaian diasporans, Nigerians, and Kenyans that live collectively in the U.S., Canada, yes. UK, France, Germany, Spain, Italy, combined, right, there are yes. close to 10 million diasporans, Nigerians and Kenyans that live in these countries, in the Western countries that I just mentioned. Collectively, wow. they remit over $18 billion yearly 
back to their home countries. And out of that $18 billion, about this is estimated to be healthcare centers from these countries. Mm-hmm. Right? So we take that, and now here in the U.S., the total yearly healthcare spending per capita averages about $9,000 per person in the U.S., right? When you combine Ghana, Nigeria, and, and Kenya, the total yearly, yearly healthcare spending uh, it comes down to about $120 per year per person. Now, if you are a chronic disease patient, how far can you go with $20? It, that's, that's almost non-start. So the diasporans have a very big role in really elevating even the healthcare spend per capita for their loved ones and family members back in their home countries. Hmm. Amazing. As we we, we 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 we're going towards the ending our conclusion. One of the things that has been observed, Jote, Dr. Mumba, is that uh, Africans we are not very strong on philanthropy. We are not very strong on philanthropy. Uh, the work that you do with your students when you go to Zambia greatly appreciated. You just said yourself that, you know. Uh, it's just sort of like a drop in the ocean. There's a lot of work to be done there. You mentioned an organization, Dr. Mumba, in Zambia, which you work with, which helps with, uh, uh, you know, I can't, I, I, I can't remember the name of the organization you mentioned, which helps Copa. with hygiene. Pardon? Copper Rose. Copper Rose. Okay. Yeah. How do we proceed in coming in helping with healthcare solutions. By the way, Roger, everybody listening, um, my colleagues here, Bella and everybody, I think we need to get we need to find a way to get diaspora care established in Zambia. We we I mean Jote and his team don't need to to crack it. we can make this happen in Zambia by our we can partner with this organization and make sure this happens in Zambia. Uh, you can both respond to this. How do we push the philanthropy concept of improving healthcare in Africa, Dr. Momba? I think part of the, <laughs> and I hate to say this, I think part of the problem with thinking about philanthropy um, mm. for most African people is we feel like there is no accountability, and with good reason, because some of the times that you have seen organizations come up and people give money to to these organizations, they squander money and all of that stuff. And then there's also the concept of, well, I have my own family who I send money to every month, so I'm doing, you know, and that's all well and good. But, you know, I'm a Christian, so one of the things that, you know, the Bible says is true religion is taking care of the poor, the orphans, and the widows. And yes. these are people that are living in abject poverty. Even if it's $5 a month that you're contributing, uh, imagine if a thousand of us contributed that every month into a fund that goes to help already established organizations that are working on the ground. Like I said, we identify corporates, but there are so many other uh, organizations looking at nutritional education, looking at preventative care, looking at mental health. 
So you, we can have a platform where you can actually designate where you want your dollars or your monies to go to mm-hmm. or what causes that you really believe in. And we can work in partnership with, with organizations that are already operational on the ground. I don't believe in, in reinventing the wheel. So we no, we, go we don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another organization, when we know there are grassroots organizations already operational in Zambia that we can just support and and, and, and you know help with what they're doing. So that's another way to think about it. And most of the time, you know, we hear Bill Gates gets a million dollars or three million dollars. Well, he has billions, mm-hmm. so <laughs> he can give that mm-hmm. much. You know, so just giving out of what you have. And I think that that's the concept that that we need to drive forward. Is it doesn't have to be millions. It doesn't have to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's what yeah. can you afford. Um, to help um, and having those checks and balances with the organizations that we're working with and saying, how do we help you? But at the same time, how do you also make sure that the, the investment we're making into your your services are actually ending up with helping the people that, you know, the target population was. So, I mean, mm. all those conversations we can have personally, I, I'm all about building relationships. I'm still building relationships with other organizations outside of Copa Rose because, like I said, Copa Rose is just menstrual health hygiene, sexual health, and HIV AIDS prevention uh, education. Mm-hmm. But like I said we need nutritional support. We need mental health support. And so I'm, more, I'm in the middle of identifying those um, organizations that are already on the ground and how can we leverage um, their platforms and their resources to actually influence change. So that's, that's what I'm currently working We have one of our colleagues actually as part of this team who's working on the Caro Care Foundations trying to raise 10,000 menstrual cards to send to Zambia. So that's something that we have a saying on this platform in our own small way. So there's no small contribution or small whatever. My colleagues that have called in here, my regular contributors, as I wound up this discussion, uh, I don't know if you had any comment, Noah. Uh, uh, um, I mean, if I can, if I can make one more comment, uh, Nathan. Yes, uh, yes, with Jade, please go. Question about philanthropy. Yeah. So um, uh, when we did care platform, uh, we had that very concept in mind. Uh, one of the core mm-hmm. essence and objectives of philanthropic activity is how do you bring the greatest amount of impact with the most optimized uh, expense or cost? Um, the uh, diaspora care platform enables people to be able to make micro payments. So what that really mm-hmm. means is the 100 or 150 $200 that I used Western Union or MoneyGram to one of my relatives or two of my relatives, all of a sudden now, my $150 can go a long, long because I'm able to make payments uh, for things that may cost $10, but I now I'm able to support, instead of just one person, I can support 10, 20, 50 people. So That's right. my, my money goes a long way in covering uh, the, the, the healthcare expenses uh, for more people that changes their lives. Uh, but at the same time, 
I am in my own small way contributing to healthcare inclusion. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very true. Any comments, gentlemen, ladies here? Um, Noah, uh, Matilda, Roger? Thank you for, for bringing um, a great topic. A lot of um, interesting thoughts that have left me uh, wanting to continue this discussion later on on social media. Uh, there's something that uh, I would like for us in the diaspora to do is not just only have a conversation about what we have heard today, but also come up with action plans. But my question to, um, to the presenters today is, I've heard that you are trying to get in touch with or working with the platforms on the ground. What about the Zambians in the diaspora that are doing similar or close to, or maybe they can be, um, um, gosh, that's the, a complementary uh, thing to what you're doing. Have you, do you have an avenue or a platform to where you can have the behind-the-scenes discussion. Like you said, you don't want to reinvent the wheel, but there could be somebody else doing something similar or who could be complementary to what you're doing within here in the diaspora. Absolutely. And if I may jump in, uh, uh, Nathan, I think that's an ex- excellent question. Uh, the, mm. uh, the, the approach that we've taken from diaspora care standpoint, uh, we have been really reaching out uh, to uh, uh, business and, and, and community and philanthropic leaders here in diaspora, um, uh, in the diaspora, who have, uh, have similar uh, objectives and, and vision and, and, and mindset, and to be able to work uh, with them. Because we do not want to do this, and we cannot do this alone. Uh, it, creates, mm. it, it takes a lot of uh, uh, partnership and collaboration. Everybody brings something to the table. So, Nathan, for example, your question with regards to what does it take to bring diaspora care to Zambia? Uh, this is something, yes. this is a topic that we would love to pick it up with you guys because you are mm. the subject matter experts of the country, the needs on the ground, and the dynamics that, that we typically do not know about that you are aware of. And uh, without uh, participation from leaders like you, we cannot be successful. So that's why we're seeking for partnerships at all times. Excellent, excellent. Any other comment before we 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 wind up this discussion and get yeah, into yeah, this, other this, things? Yeah, this is Noah, Noah. in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. I want to thank the lady and gentleman for. Uh, coming on the program and we thank you for what you are doing please continue we'll be always there to support in any which way we can so this is sort of a comment slash question follow up to Matilda's question <clears throat> at the Zambia Block Talk radio conference that we had in Dallas, Texas they, I think if I'm not mistaken there was a gentleman from I think who's working uh, on sort of a data Database something to to yes yes ah. yes yes yeah. the so I think, oh yes yes the, yes that gentleman I think we need as uh, African people or as Zambians to have our own database of our own professionals so that at least it's it's sort of like a LinkedIn a Zambian version of some sort of African version where we are able to tap into the database and look for experts and professionals in respective areas 
so that at least mm. we know who is doing what so that we avoid duplication of efforts and ideas because we do not want to reinvent the wheel when we know there are other people who are already, I mean, doing well. So, for instance, I've heard a number of, <clears throat> uh, there are a number of Zambians actually who look into this issue of sending sanitary pads to women and things like that, especially mm-hmm. others are focused on rural areas, others are focused in schools, others are focused in, I mean, other, I mean, urban areas. So I think w- if we had some sort of a database to Matilda's question, I think that would be very helpful and it's incumbent upon some of us, especially those in um, <clears throat> tech uh, institutions or tech backgrounds to come up with something that we can own. So that is my comment. And thank you again to the lady and the gentleman who is doing uh, great things to benefit our people. Excellent. Now, before we wind up, uh, I think this conversation will continue, like they say, on social media. And I am serious. We need to start diaspora care in in Zambia. Uh, We have a colleague, like I said, without a doubt, Roger, we need to start Mm -hmm. this. Uh, We have a colleague who's doing something about what Dr. Mumba mentioned. Uh, Carol, good morning. Talk to us about these 10,000 pads for the kids in Zambia. Hi, sorry, I was joined the conversation late. That's um, okay. Uh, highly regrettable. I'm just getting, coming off of a night. I'm a little bit uh, uh, off the rails here. Um, well, <laughs> yes, we <laughs> we are. Dr. Mumba understands. She's a nurse by qualification, you by profession. She understands you. <laughs> oh, how, how are you, Dr. Many Mumba, of those really? night shifts. <laughs> yes. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. So, Carol, two, three minutes, tell us about the mobilization for sanitary parts. 10,000, why don't we make it 100,000? Well, you know what I'd like to do? You know what, let's not put a limit to how many how many parts we can actually uh, mobilize. So, let's just give it an open number of, you know, mm-hmm. see how many we can, we can get together. Yeah, we have a lot of people getting involved, and uh, I, I want to thank uh, Diamond Foundation, uh, headed by... Um, Mutale? Mutale, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah, he, he has, uh, he's running some pads for us uh, from one of the warehouses in Houston. So I'll be in Dallas next week, and I'll be going to Houston to pick them up. I don't know how many he's going to organize for us, but uh, we're just highly grateful that people are pitching in. And they are really starting to understand the need, uh, you know, to, to, to get these pads to the Kids where they are needed in these uh, rural areas. You know, we do have uh, an issue actually that is really, really big, uh, where we have a lot of girls that are dropping out of school because they cannot afford sanitary pads. And also, yeah. we Dr. Mumba addressed that in, the, in this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we Go need ahead. to also break, the, break into the stigma of you know people looking at menstruation as uh, something that is a taboo or um, a, a period of a time when a girl is not clean. You know, all those things, we need to address them, and we need to under- make people understand that, you know, menstruation is part of human preservation, okay? Uh, if you don't mm-hmm. go through that process, you cannot bear a child. So it is a beautiful thing, actually, that we need to embrace as a country, and we need to openly talk about it and how it affects the girls. Uh, we need to talk about puberty with our children. That way they understand the process, and they don't start to shine from, uh, you know, sharing their concerns with us, you know. So it's it's really important yeah, to, to have this conversation mm. going. 
Yeah. Maybe we, you know me, me, I'll talk about anything. We'll, we'll arrange a show where we can talk about that, uh, 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 Carol. Everybody, Carol Care <laughs> Foundation, you can find her on what? 10,000 parts for the kids in Zambia yes, so that they don't need to class. Let me just say this before we go. You can also, uh, what I'm doing is I'm putting them on Amazon Smile, which is, uh, you know, okay. a program, yeah, Amazon Smile, where you can go and buy tags and all you be stick to us. You know, you can buy as, as you want. And also, if you just buy anything at the Caracas Foundation Amazon Smile, uh, they do give us a part of your, 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 whatever you spend, they give us a portion of that uh, towards our okay. foundation. So it's a good program. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, my show today was Healthcare Solutions for Africa. Dr. Mumba, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the discussion. It continues. Jote, my brother, you and I are inseparable now. You have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much for having me on this show. And uh, <clears throat> I really hope... Uh, we bring diaspora care to Zambia, and uh, and 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 let's let's get reconnected and uh, really bring it to reality. Excellent, everybody. That was our show for today. Let's go back in as we go to uh, open forum next week. I'm also bringing another team from the African Diaspora Conference Education Team. We are going to do this. We we need to make things happen. Thank you, everybody, and uh, for those of you that uh, let's go back in for open forum. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye. For lucky, give me love. Now you the cut to my shot. For your sake, I go go touch. We go drive around you for my Porsche. Baby, Ipana. They say you like you all Baby, Ipana, anywhere that you go, I can follow you to go. Baby, Ipana, I say you like cassava, I get to pick cassava. Baby, Ipana, my love for you, you never die, you never die. Ah, Ipana, oh baby, Ipana, baby you too sweet, Ipana. Oh baby, dance to the lagwaja, I can take you to Fagwalada. Ipana, oh baby, Ipana, baby you too sweet. Oh, love is a beautiful thing. Can you the cool my temper? Love is a wonderful tender feeling. You the give me the baby dance, dance, dance.